Welcome to Cat Spina Music. So today I welcome to the program Engaging the Muse, Zé Luis, who is a Brazilian film composer, saxophonist, flautist, multi-instrumentalist, and just all around inspiring individual. And on this podcast, we talk all about the process, creativity, and the journey. I welcome you to share a little bit more about what has brought you to where you are today. When I was a kid uh, in Brazil, Rio de Janeiro, where uh, my hometown is, and I went to a classical conservatory uh, to learn Baroque flute. So it was flute, music theory, uh, traditional harmony, and solfejo. And so I spent five years in a conservatory with very prominent teachers. And I study with the French method, Tafanel et Galbert. Uh, towards the end of the studies, I heard a American saxophone player called Wayne Shorter. They had then recorded an album with the Brazilian artist, Comilton Nascimento. They recorded a record called Native Dancer. And this album was a big inspiration for me. It was when I fell in love with the saxophone. And then I started to use my technique already acquired to migrate for the saxophone. And so from, let's say, the age of 18 until 32, I had a fantastic run in Brazil, recording being a sideman and uh, playing with many Brazilian artists, very proeminent, Luiz Melodia, Zezé Mota, Caetano Veloso, Gilberto Gil, Gal Costa, many others. And then in 1990, I came to United States and I followed through with the career I had in Brazil. I started to play with the band called Milo Z, which was an R&B funk band in the early 90s, very popular in New York City. We got signed by uh, Polygram Mercury and uh, our manager, uh, which the management, which was Das Enterprises, uh, had John Osborne, Meat Loaf, the Foo Fighters. So we were like in a, in a row and we played together up to 1995, which was uh, on a retainer, you know, instead of playing per show, we had the weekly salary. We opened for the Neville Brothers, Reverend All Green, Chuck Brown, the Soul Searchers, the Funky Meters, just to name a few. And I had the pleasure to be with some of those names I mentioned above, sitting in or sometimes engaged for a couple of shows 
or subbing for their home players. I made a, quite a reputation on it. By the end of the 90s, a friend of mine, a chanteuse called Babel Gilberto, which is the daughter of the, per se, Pope of the Bossa Nova, João Gilberto, the guitar player, singer, uh, she uh, recorded an album called Tanto Tempo that made big waves, was the biggest business in Brazilian music since Sergio Mendes in 1968. And so I was hired by her to be the music director. Uh, and uh, we worked uh, for over a year. And uh, when my wife got pregnant, I didn't want it to be on the road. I wanted to be a father. I made, I played so many engagements that I said, well, you know, one more tour or family. And then I, uh, I made a bit of a sacrifice. And then I left the Bell's gig, even though we kept collaborating, we are friends up to now. And uh, as I left the gig and I came to New York, I asked my friends uh, that used to run studios and so forth to give me an opportunity to play, to record. And uh, I ended up meeting a lot of people from the advertisement world, from the film industry and TV, and started to move my career towards this kind of work. And uh, at 43 then, I, I went to study composition at Juilliard School. Wow. So, because I had time, and because of my dedication, because when I went to school, when I was interviewed by the teacher, he, he said, Mr. Oliveira, don't you think the apple's falling a bit far from the tree here? Aren't you a popular musician? Why won't you go to the jazz department? And then I explained to him what I told you before. Right. Uh, about the classical music, and he said, if you bring me a composition for flute and piano that is very good, and nobody half your age come here with as much talent as you, I'll give you the chair. And then I sent the composition, and for my surprise, when I called, he said, Mr. Oliveira, you're in. You're very good. And uh, in about uh, six months in the second semester, I was already his assistant. And uh, it was a beautiful four years that I uh, uh, dedicate myself to learn. uh, And uh, it changed my capabilities. And so in my wildest dreams as a kid, trying to become a musician, could never imagine that I'll be here in New York now in my own studio, producing and working with different preeminent and uh, relevant artists right now. At the age I am, working for film and television, 
being able to meet so many incredible and talented New York people, you know. Never thought I was going to make real money on it. And also never said, oh, I'm going to do this because I'm going to get a Grammy. Mm -hmm. So six different albums that I work with as a ranger, twice as instrumentalist, now as a producer, just a project I worked with, uh, Just Play in Peru, uh, just got nominated for uh, uh, the Latin Grammy, and I am uh, engaged in this project as a producer. So I never thought I would uh, be nominated for anything or get accolades for anything. I just thought about, let me do the work, you know, let me do the good things as much as I can and help people, friends, musicians, artists. And that's my inspiration. Let's talk about the work because I can really relate to studying classical music mm-hmm. and jazz. You know, that is not the direction I go, but those, the foundations and learning music from the purest form. What are some of the things about your process and your practice routine that is very much constant to this day? First thing I do when I come here in the morning is I put my metronome at 192 and I play the major scales and the minor scales throughout the extension of all my instruments. It takes me at least 20 minutes for each instrument. I do the diminished scales. I have this uh, theory, this concept about the four scales, right? The major scale with all its modes. If you depart from C, C major, from D, D minor, and so forth. I do all that, and then I'll take the diminished scale, which is a completely different thing. Uh, Three keys will cover the entire uh, spectrum because in the diminished, it covers each four scales. And the whole tone scale, right? And the minor scale, the minor could be the minor melodic or harmonic. So I have that theory about the four scales. Major with the modes, minor with the modes, the half and whole tone, which is the diminished scale, and the whole tone scale, which are only two. And so then I engage in the practicing of uh, reading some harmonies using the arpeggios and the chord scales so I can keep my mind sharp. And uh, I took an advice from a, a very prominent saxophonist. Uh, Phil Woods, which was my friend. And uh, one time I went to one of his uh, uh, workshops. In that stage of our lives, give me one good tip. And he said, you know what, Zé? Learn a song a week. And then by that time, I started to do that. So... (laughs) But not, it's not uh, open the, 
the book and read the tune, you know, in the saxophone or in the flute. It's, it's more like learn the tune, play it, read it, and then walk from the paper and start to remember, mess up, you know? <laughs> oh, uh, what was the note to start the bridge? Let me look again. Ah, okay. I play a lot of other tunes by mind, but then I'll I'll drill on this one every day. And then after I'm done with that, I'll sit here in my desk and I open my computer and start to do the commissions and deadlines. Composing, producing, arranging, whatever they call me for, you know. I've also felt from the educator perspective and how I've learned the most successfully is having that structure. And it was actually my jazz piano teacher, Vinnie Martucci from New Paltz, beautiful piano player. He said the word structure. And as a creative person, as a musician, you want to just sort of go for it. But when he said the word structure, that it actually thrives and you do better as a musician when you create that. It was a game changer for me. And as an educator, what I try to tell my students, as a vocalist, my, my scales are everything. It's the way I get my flexibility, mm-hmm. it's how I increase my range. And it wasn't until later that I learned instruments, but I tell them they just don't get why I drill scales. And I said, you have to understand that this is what builds your song. Stamina. Yes. No, and, and also uh, it, it is uh, what you're saying, that structure yeah. is, is your discipline. Yeah. You know? You have to have a discipline. And then you create your stamina. And you're not going to play the scales just because of the scales. When you say, boom, dun, 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 you have a major and then go do, do, ba, da, ba, da, ba, da. in French rehearsal is la repetition which means a repetition mm. so you, you repeat so many times that you start to observe from another end I was in one time in my life when I was very young I was obsessed with the definition of the word perfection mm. and as always i'm a perfectionist with things i do and then uh uh oscar watt he was a playwright yeah he directed many times and he said in my opinion perfection is one thing a person did so many times that the person that never did it thinks it's perfect, even though the person that is doing needs to get better than it is right now. That's for me is the most wonderful definition of perfection. That's that's what we're talking about. The the method, you know, your constancy, you yeah. know, you have to do and repeat, and understand, and be humble about, because 
Otherwise, he bites you in the face sometimes, you know? Oh, yeah. Very serious. You know, it's, it's so much truth in simplicity, too. And there's a lot to learn in this virtual sense and not being able to see my students. And, and we're working through the Zoom and it's just not as tangible. I've moved my method a little bit more to the coaching style and also music education, just wanted them to express themselves. And one song in particular has been, You Are My Sunshine. Oh. And just, they, it started with my niece who's six years old and we love singing that together. And then I presented mm-hmm. it to, to two other adult students and their, their question, why? Why should we, I said, because you can manipulate this. You can make this song your own. Sing it straight. Sing the melody straight. Know the, the head. And then go somewhere. And when I've let them go somewhere and let them be themselves, there's the, there's the tool. There's that, that learning piece of knowing that simplicity, knowing that happy birthday. And then you can be Aretha Franklin about it if you want to be, you know? <laughs> Exactly, you know, exactly. And yeah. the other thing is like a, a musician, a musician is not because you can play the scale faster than me or me faster than you. A musician, somebody that has a repertoire, how many songs you learn throughout your life mm-hmm. that you're able to hear if we sit down together in a afternoon party and you sit on the piano and sing say Zach come play with me pick up your flute and I'll be able to play you know hundreds maybe thousands of songs with you because you know I've been in and out uh, one I'm one song I might remember mess up a little bit but you know like I'm a pro so I go around and the second time oh yeah you know like but it is your repertoire you know and uh, that's part mm. also of your engagement in practicing you know in learning one more tune oh I I, I heard that on the radio today and then you say, like, oh, let me learn that, yeah. you know? Let me learn more tune. Let me, wow, that's incredible. As you said, Aretha Franklin played that tune in a completely different way that, you know, like Ray Charles did, Yeah. you know? She used some notes that I never thought. That's because of, she played it straight many times, and then as she developed her, Incredible vocal capability, she said, you know, just a little respect, just a little respect. You know, like she goes wherever she wants to go. And now she's Aretha. What you going to say? Yeah, you're not singing the melody right. You say, I did it a thousand times. Now I do whatever I want. And so with that, I wanted to end on the, the one other piece. We talked so much about the journey and love love that, the process. Um, and now just a little bit more on creativity. What inspires you to stay creative and keep on your journey of producing 
music that means something to you? Well, first of all, it is so much music, so much beautiful music. And from, from my start, my country as the United States is very rich in folklore. So the folklore, the the little, you know, like what you said, you are my sunshine, my only sunshine. That's a folkloric melody, you know, that's folk. And so when you get to that part, like John Baez, you know, like uh, Bob Dylan, you know, y- you get something that capture the collective inconscient of people and and connects you with so many levels and the simplicity of it will give you a uh, you, you you permeate your mind and your creativity in a way that you know you know, you can use the same rhythm with a different pitch. Maybe you can use the uh, same pitch. So you you can draw from from it, and and because. If you have uh, the interest, if you're curious, if you're dealing with talented people, like the other day, you sent me your music, such beautiful music, you're singing beautiful, and uh, you send another part, a more jazz-oriented, so incredible, you know? So you're dedicated, you're curious. This is, this is, arousing your imagination, your necessity to be challenged, you know? So, and if you're doing your routine and you have your stamina and you're learning your music, you have things floating around you that you can draw from and musicians such as we met and you gave me inspiration for something else and you invite me to do this here. And you show me another beautiful music, like Peter Fried, they introduced us. He's a photographer that plays the saxophone. And so he was very uh, impressed with my skills and asked me if I could help him. And we exchanged favors. He'll be my photographer, which I wouldn't be able to afford him. And... (laughs) I'll be his saxophone teacher. And you shouldn't believe, you should believe what I'm going to say. People call me because they saw my website and Google or my zeluise.com website. And they go, uh, can I go in your studio? They walk in and they bring incredible music and they sing beautiful. And there's another, so... I get inspired, you know. My son asked me, and if you win the lottery, Dad, what would you do? And I said, Felipe, I already won the lottery. 
look at me. I'm healthy. I have food, education, work. I have you, you know. There's so much to be thankful every day that this inspires me, you know. I say, I, I have it. I, if, when we turn it off, I can go right to my computer and write another tune or play flute, you know, or just go home and eat, you know. So how many people, you know, for, for our uh, youngsters, they might see what we're doing. If you put the population of the world in 100 people, maybe one person of their 100 going to be able to have food, a roof, education, maybe not even one person, like a tiny fraction of that person. So put that in perspective. So we have to be thankful and inspired all the time. You know, what do you want? I say, I want to say thank you, dude. You know, like if you pray, what do you ask for? I say, I don't ask for anything. I say, thank you. You know, I say, thank you. Thank you. You know, every day I say, thank you from the bottom of my heart. I almost didn't know how to pray anymore. And I didn't Mm -hmm. know how to do that. But then I started just saying, thank you. And it made all the difference. all the difference it's welcomed people into my life I would never have expected it's kept my stamina my strength my heart and it's created a new path for me and it's all it is you know what when the ego fades to the background that's when art and kindness emerge you know, it's like I pray for my grandparents and great grandparents that are already gone as their saints because they're, you know, populating my universe. And that's where I came from. So we have to be thankful. We have to be very simple. This is simple food, yeah. you know, love. And everything is love. You know, if there's no love, there's nothing. We are alive because our parents loved each other and made us. We're made out of love, you know. So love is what moves things. Hate is not sustainable. You might be able to bully a couple of people, but then it's not sustainable, you know. So love thankful, to be loving and thankful all the time, and to be inspired by all that, because life is so beautiful, you know? Life is beautiful. You want things perfect? Get out of the way and let it happen. Oh, my goodness. Get out of the way, let it happen. That's it. (laughs) And that was the biggest lesson I learned from this last project that I've and journey I've been on with Brian with play it loud. And we got inner child. We got to a place of just letting it flow, let it happen. And I sure did resist it. I sure did fight it, 
And it's just so amazing to have the people in my life that are close to me show me now what it means to just let it move and let it move through you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's beautiful because look at that. Every time, every time you're resisting something is because that something is making you somehow insecure. You know? So, and that insecurity that everybody has, but not everybody let go. That's the option of oneself. I'm going to be 63 in, in December, you know? People ask me, oh, man, you're looking good. I wait, I wait myself every Friday. So I <laughs> waited myself today. I'm six feet tall. I weight 161. I'm in very good shape for my age. And people say, you, you don't look like, you know, your age. Blah, blah, blah. You have such a stomach. You go Stamina. up the stairs. Yeah, you go up the stairs. You exercise. You still have your flexibility. I can touch my hands <laughs> behind my back. You know, I, I keep everything that I used to do when I used to be a martial artist, you know. And uh, uh, the, the thing is, people ask me, and when you, when you get, do you dye your hair? I say, no, this is my genes. Thank God. Because if they start to get gray, I ain't going to die. I ain't going to go tuck my face or do, you know, that's natural. That's age, you know, because it's, it's also part of accepting your life and getting to a point that your kindness becomes wisdom. You can tell people, as you ask me, how did you get here? And then I tell you, and it, it seemed, when I look back, it was a split moment. Yeah. But from where I was to where I got, it was a lot of work and time. Yeah. I always think about uh, JFK. Mm. Ask not what you can, your country can do for you. you. Ask what you can do for your country. So yeah. ask not what other people can do for you. Right. Ask what you can do for yourself and for the other people, you know. Like and, you know, it's, that's absolutely. And it's a beautiful way and analogy to think about music as well. And just and going back to I didn't do this for that accolade. I didn't even think that would happen. You're, you're doing this. And I had listened to some of your music before. And I just, mm -hmm. I heard so much life, so much vibrancy, so much heart emotion. Thank you. You know, it's so true. And you ask, what can I do for the art? And what can I contribute? And when we get to that space as a musician, I felt so much weight come off because we think we have to write and be and do things a certain way. But now we're asking, what can I do for this art and this art form? And what are the steps? What's the process? What's the stamina? And you articulated yeah. that all so beautifully tonight. Oh, thank you. It's like the most important thing about art is to show us 
who we really are. That's what art is. You know, when you listen to the music of the 60s, you understand the 60s. So you have not to fight what's coming out of you. You have to work on it and accept. There's no, ah, I'm going to do this this way because Miles Davis did it. You ain't going to be Miles Davis and you ain't going to be yourself. You know, but another one that is very good from uh, Oscar Wilde, it says, uh, be yourself. Everybody else is taken. <laughs> you know, that's super <laughs> in. I say like, you know, everybody else is taken. That's it. You know, so, and this is very important. So when I'm in my frame of, uh, an artist composing my album, you know, Gourney Banana, which was a, a hit, a jazz hit when I wrote it in the end of the 90s. And in the year, Pat Metheny sold 15,000 copies of his album that same year I released mine. I sold 10,000 copies of my album. So it was a jazz hit. Downbeat Magazine came to interview me, the composer, you know, uh, they, they were talking about uh, the real Brazilian roots, echoes of Jobim. Not that my music is uh, based on Jobim's music, no, but is influenced by, I was his neighbor when I was a kid. You know, I lived in Ipanema. And, uh, but when I went to do that, that record, I wanted to be able to play well the instrument I play, but I wanted to convey uh, things from my culture, as I said previously, from the folklore, you know? And one thing is funny about this, because here in America, and when I say America, say North and South America, and so Brazil, Argentina, Canada, United States, we used to be like, uh, uh, I hope there's not a bad word to this, to be soccer's for the European culture. And so, ah, I want to be like Stravinsky and nothing will happen. And then John Cage, in the beginning of his career, came and used, because John Cage became that very conceptual guy later on. But in the beginning, if you listen to his pieces, he was drawing from the folklore, from the Native American. So he used the rhythms on the strings. Same thing happened in Brazil with Hector Villa-Lobos. Instead of copy the, the music from Europe or the music from whatever else, place, India, he... He took the cirandas, the folklore. You know? And then he took that simple melody and he wrote incredible shoros and things based on the folklore of the land. And that's when the Brazilian and the North American art, the United States art in classical music, started to become prominent in Europe because they were doing something the Europeans couldn't do, didn't have, you know? 
So this is very important too about be yourself, use your uh, elements, you know, be comfortable, accept yourself and do the best you can. As I said, we have to love, we have to be thankful, you know, that's all there is. Thank you so much, Zé Luis, for being part of this podcast, Engaging the Muse, and sharing your story. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you, everybody that is watching. Can I do a little shameless plug here? Always, yes. So, my name is Zé Luis, which is Z-E-L as in love, U-I-S as in Sam. So, if you go to zeluiz.com, you can see about my career my studio, and can chat with me. Come on, dude. Come come hang, you know? Thank you so much for having me, Kat. You inspire me too. Your music is amazing. Thank you so much for the help and to put my name a little forward in that life that we're living, okay? And hope to see you soon. Absolutely. Thank you so, so much. Thank you. Big kiss for you. If you want to learn more about the process, creativity, and the journey, check out my website, catspinamusic.com. Thank you again for listening.